Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 410. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 410. Today's first sponsor thank you goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Sheila Fitzgerald of A New Leaf, based in Omaha, Nebraska. Listen for my conversation with Sheila in the second portion of this episode. My often-used hashtag, Slow Flowers on the Road, was put to use last week when I traveled from Seattle across the state to Pullman, Washington, to collaborate with the wonderfully talented photographer Lori Black on a story for Country Gardens magazine. It was basically a workcation because the garden owners, Suzanne St. Pierre and Scotty Thompson, are friends I adore. And not only did they play the roles of generous hosts, they treated me and our mutual friend Marianne Newcomer, who will be writing the story, to a terrific Palouse experience. More on that to come, but suffice it to say, the rolling hills of the Palouse range are exquisitely beautiful in July, and it fed my spirit and soul to be there. The return trip last Wednesday could have been a straight shot across the state, but I took a side excursion to the little town of Patterson, Washington. Patterson is due south of Pasco and the Tri-Cities region, and it overlooks the Columbia River and Oregon in the distance. It is one of Washington's hot wine country regions, thus a very popular destination wedding hub for couples in the West. And there in the center of it all lives Teresa Engritson of My Garden Overfloweth. She and her daughter, Katie Elliott, who lives about 30 minutes away, are a farmer florist team who have developed a vibrant and beautiful business centered around growing cut flowers in the same climate in which grapevines thrive and operating a full-service design studio that doubles as an event and workshop space, as well as a retail farm and flower shop. I first met Teresa and Katie in Corvallis, Oregon, at a Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers meetup several years ago. Since then, I've found a few opportunities to refer friends and florists who need wedding flowers in wine country to Katie and Teresa, and every time I hear back rave reviews. I highlighted My Garden Overfloweth in my 2010 Floral Insights and Industry Forecast under the heading Experiences, Not Conveniences. 
praising the women for throwing two seasonal flower fling festivals each year. Their events attract a wide range of vendors and create a sense of community for their customers. It was so fun to spend a few hours with Teresa and Katie and their family, including Katie's grandmother, Susan, and her daughter, Hannah, making four generations of flower lover women under one studio roof. We shared a meal, walked the fields overlooking the Columbia River, and grabbed a quiet moment to record this interview to share with you. Here's more about My Garden Overfloweth. My Garden Overfloweth was established in 2012 by Teresa Engbritson. She likes to say that the farm has very happy flowers, thanks to the gorgeous view of the Columbia River. Teresa and Katie share a love for flowers and farming, growing and cultivating seasonal flowers, foliages, and ornamental botanicals on more than two and a half acres. The Engbritsons also raise farm-fresh vegetables, fruit and grass-fed, grain-finished beef. The farm is located approximately 40 minutes from the Tri-Cities and participates weekly at several farmer's markets in the area. The new farm shop is a mercantile space where customers can purchase all things grown on the farm, including flowers, fresh produce, beef, and locally made gifts. Services include wedding and event floral design, seasonal bouquets, holiday florals, and workshops. You'll want to visit today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com to see photos of Katie and Teresa, their fields, flowers, and festivals, and to find links to their social places so you can follow along through the season ahead. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to introduce the mother-daughter partnership of My Garden Overfloweth, owned by Teresa Ingridson. Hello. Hi, and Katie Elliott. Hello. And we're in Patterson, Washington. <laughs> yes. I, uh, it, you think that I live in Washington State and I'm close by, but I'm four hours away. <laughs> Thank you for the tour and for lunch. Your You're place welcome. is beautiful. Thank you. Um, you guys have been Slow Flowers members for a couple of years. I think after we met at maybe that... Um, Corvallis. Yeah, the, the Oregon Flower right. Farmers Meetup. Right. And um, I've always wanted to come out here. I love what you do. Thank you. Teresa, give us a snapshot of my garden overfloweth. What, what do you all encompass? Would you call yourselves farmer florists? Yes, we okay. are farmer florists. Um, Katie is the wedding designer, event designer. Uh, we do weekly arrangements. We sell to wholesalers. We sell the florists. We do a floral van run. Um, farmers markets, we do two of those. We do classes inside our facility. What else am I missing? Events. Events. Here on the farm, right? Yes. Right. We sell by the bucket on the farm. Um, we do grocery store. That's, That's kind it. of it. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. And it it's kind of, you say it all with pride, like you like all these channels, right? Yeah. <laughs> or not. We put you on the spot. <laughs> we, we do like it, but when you are in the heat of, this, of the harvest, it's hard and it's long days. Mm -hmm. and it, mm -hmm. To be away for a full day traveling to florists and pulling your stuff in and out of a van, it's, it's a workout. I'm eight, 61 years old. I feel like I'm 80. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, exactly. You're not dancing through the tulips, yeah. are you? Uh, Teresa, uh, you're... You just walked us through the fields, and this property is family property, right? right? So describe where we are. We're right above a beautiful, majestic river. Right. We're right above the Columbia River. We're about, I would say, a half a mile uh, north of the Columbia, and it is beautiful. Our water for our fields comes from the Columbia River. Oh. 
Is it a uh, well or? No, it's it's directly pumped out of the Columbia. Really? Wow. It's pumped up to us and then comes across some lines. Um, We are considered high desert. It's a lot of sagebrush. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the landscape. Very dry, very hot. Yeah, beautiful. It's actually very beautiful growing weather. Huh. And your family legacy as farmers was, you said, uh, onions. Right, correct. So we grew, packed, and shipped. Um, our high point was probably about 1,500 acres of onions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You don't have 1,500 acres of flowers. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you have? You said about three acres? We're, we're pushing three acres right now. Wow. And um, Katie, you do not live here, but you grew up right here, right? Correct. And yes. did you run away from home to not be a farmer? Originally? No, I mean, I always loved agriculture. And as I was telling you earlier, um, I had always felt torn between ag and a career in apparel. Um, So I I ended up going to WSU and getting a bachelor's in apparel, merchandising, and textiles. And then when mom started this up, um, I came back and she, she was really needing help, you know, doing emailing. And if she's not out in the field all day, there's not a lot of time for that and social mm-hmm. media exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agreed to help her on that front and I had little ones um, in tow. So you and your husband had moved back to this area yes. from the big city, basically. Yep. Yeah. From the west side. Um, what a so, great yeah. what a great partnership then. Yeah. I feel like we're I think we're opposites so it works well. There's a lot of eye rolling <laughs> at times and she tries um, to fire me. Yeah, I try but to I don't get paid so she can't fire yeah, me. Free <laughs> free labor. So <laughs> Um, but it, what an interesting, I mean, I seem, feel like I inter, inter, interview a lot of mother-daughter teams. There's a, a good number of people in, in our Slow Flowers world who are collaborators uh, with family members. And, and mm-hmm. you obviously have a high, high level of trust with each other. And oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. makes it, uh, that gives you a competitive edge, I think. We were going through kind of a rough spot trying to decide what we wanted to be when we grew up in this business. And um you know, it's like on down the road, I'm going to be retiring and slowing down a little bit. I, really, I don't believe that, but I, I'll, yeah. I'll nod. Yeah. <laughs> but she said, I just don't know if I want to do it without you, Mom. And then out walked her five-year-old daughter, and she's putting a vase arrangement together. It's like, yeah, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> but but Grandma's here, too. Yeah. So there's four generations yeah. of women in your family right. here at the studio today. Right. I love that. Yeah. And she's watering. Yes. <laughs> yes. And baking cookies right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, when Katie, what year was that, Katie, that you moved back and started working with your mom? I think it was 2012. I had actually just had my second Hannah. Uh-huh. So we, she actually went to the farmer's market two weeks old as a newborn. So my grandma would go sit there and rock her and mom and I would do flowers. 2013. Or 2013 okay. is when Hannah came. Yep. Okay. So anyways, she would oh. rock her. We would do flowers. I would feed her, take a break. Um, so Hannah's been there She's since the up very beginning. Yeah. Wait, but um, I guess we'll f- talk about how this all came to be. Um, Teresa, you said you planted your first flowers in 2012? In 2012. It was later in the summertime. Okay. After we got through, we sold our farm. So there was a lot of cleanup with that. And uh, so I planted these flowers, and we did like two or three farmer's markets in Oregon. And uh, trying to decide if that's something I'd be interested in. And if it was yeah. feasible, if it could work. What prompted you to do that, though? I honestly don't know. Okay. I, I, I mean, you obviously are a gardener. You, you have a beautiful garden. Well, I grew garden. up on a farm. You know, yeah. my husband, bless his heart, as we get into this more, and it gets, it's big. I mean, it's not a small chunk of change. It's a family business. To do what, what we do. Right. 
And I said, how come you're allowing me to do this? And he said, because you deserve the chance to do something on your own. Mm. And so I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. Because the, yeah. the onion business and the... It that, was his. It was his. Yeah, onion. I just backed him up and cleaned up all the messes. Yeah. So... That's good. Yeah. But something about maybe your aesthetic, you were drawn to flowers or... I mean, obviously you have a daughter who is in fashion, so right. you have a creative uh, influence on her too. Right. Yeah. I come from a very artistic family. Mm-hmm. In fact, once we got into this and we started growing Cafe Olay Dahlias, um, I went into my house and when we built the house in 2003... I had bought these artificial flowers, and they were dahlias, mm. and they were cafe au laits. Mm. So I don't know, somewhere da- way back mm-hmm. when, in my mind, I knew this was where we were headed, mm. because they were beautiful, and Foreshadowing. I still have them, yeah. Now you just grow the real I ones. I just grow the real ones. <laughs> um, so you, you said that in 2012, you grew some a few crops, and, and like bunches or bouquets at smaller farmer's markets. And you did pumpkin, we did like the heirloom oh. pumpkins. Okay. Then. So another crop you could sell then, right? Yeah, gourds, gourds. So we had fun with that, and then it was not just, very big by any means. No, but no. enough. At the end of that first season, there was enough there to say, "Katie, I need you to come work with me next year." Or how did that? How did that all happen? Other than, she said she. You she, got into the Richland Farmers Market, and that's when you really needed my help. That was in twenty thirteen. Is that a really big farmers market? Right. Yes. So, so just with the timing works. Kind of, yeah. And I remember the time when we used to get so excited, like, oh, we got one new, you know, inquiry for something. And we were just so ecstatic. Yeah, yeah. And In it didn't ways. even mean that we got, you know, the actual job. But, but somebody was like, thinking oh. about us. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, my gosh, there's 12 emails that I haven't even gotten back to. <sighs> wow. I mean, that's amazing in just, you know, less than 10 years to see what you've what you've done and right. if, if, I feel like the last since I've met you you've just blown up and do you think it, you attribute it to having each other involved and and I think so I think social media is is huge and Katie does it very well mm-hmm. she's and she's the face of the business you know she attracts people she's good with visiting with people I'm more the the hands-on labor business side of it and so we do complement each other very well mm-hmm. um what was your when was your first wedding? Lindsay got us into that. <laughs> that was twenty fourteen, I would say. I think so. It was for a neighbor a girl that I had grown up with. And Which is so, sort of how it happens, right? Yep. So we did that. Someone one says, Well then, you're growing flowers, can you do my wedding yeah. flowers? She wanted Gerber daisies and bright colors. And yes. How'd that go? Not yeah, not, not my um, not That's my not style, what she does. but you know, yeah. you know, yeah. we did not it. always. Oh, you did it. You. Okay, oh, yeah, yes. we did. We fine. did it. Okay, so then dip your toe in the water with weddings, and then yes. did it kind of, um, I don't know, occur to you that that could be a a, a channel of business? I think definitely. Um, we did do the florette workshop um, when she had first kind of started doing those, and after that, I convinced mom was like, "I am not. We are not doing weddings. I don't want to do weddings," and so. After that, I was like, I think we have to, to make this a feasible business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you do one wedding and you have 200 plus people seeing your work. And so it just kind of snowballs. Birthdays. And word of mouth. And yeah. And you create lifelong customers that right. will continue to come back to you for all of their flower needs. And uh, what I've observed and the reason why I was so glad that you wanted to be part of Still Flowers is that you're in a destination wedding area. Mm-hmm. Correct. But... 
it's not a high population area, so there aren't like flower shops all over the place here, right? What what is this region called? Columbia. Columbia Basin. Basin. Okay. And then there's the Yakima <clears throat> Valley, which and the is Walla that Walla wine. Bay. So that you're wine close country. to wineries, yes. right? Yeah. So that's that where a lot of weddings are taking place. Yes, um, but there's also a lot of other venues. I think there are a lot of people coming from California and the West Side because it is. You get more bang for your buck. Mm, at the venue. Right. Yeah. Especially if you want an outdoor wedding at a beautiful location. Yes. Okay. And the weather's yep. always good. Yes. That's true. You have a no longer fear season, of rain, right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of that happening, but um, I just think there's not... There's quite a few traditional florists, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, and I think you're right. That's what, what attracted people to us was our flowers were different. Mm-hmm. They're right. unique, and they hadn't seen them. Um, Lysianthus is one of our biggest sellers, and the majority of people still don't know anything about them and how well they hold up. And I always say, if we had a dollar for every time someone at the market walked, what kind of flower is it? Right, and then once the bride realizes that it has this plays the role that a rose would other otherwise play right. by a rose, right. but it lasts so much longer. It's not going to droop in your mm-hmm. wedding bridal right. bouquet. It has a high value, right? right? right. right. And we saw. We walked to an area where you had the some of the whites and apricots were starting to bloom, but then there's you've got some that are only two three inches high. Right. You'll be cutting Lizzie's what till so, frost. Wow. So last year we didn't get a frost till the end of November. Yeah. See that's misleading because you're eastern Washington, but by, being by the river, I think it moderates it your helps. temperature, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing you know that I realized last year too was behind us is a blueberry field. Okay. And they have wind machines, and it's the southern slope. It slopes down to sure. it. So when the frosts would come in the spring, they would turn on those machines. And I believe that it gave us enough air movement. We didn't get the frost that a lot of people Interesting. get. Interesting. It yeah. just was kind of following gravity down right. to your fields. Right. That's yeah. A, yeah. And by the way, you have blueberries too. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a few bushes of them. Teresa, how many um, varieties roughly, or genus roughly, are you growing? Because you've got a really diversified list. We do. Just say 100 different varieties. At least 100. Yeah. At least. And some of your biggest crops, in addition to the Lizzie's, it looks like are the Dahlias. Mm -hmm. And um, also your unique foliages. I feel like you have a real competitive edge in offering all those eucalyptus, all those nine bark. Yes, the hypericum. I've never seen such beautiful hypericum. Um, How do you decide what to grow? What catches my eye. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm on social media and looking at things, the grower books. Um, People maybe in other regions, that sort of thing. Right, Yeah. right. Seeing what they're growing, seeing if it would apply to us. We try a lot of things. Some of them don't make it. Some of them do. We were told by our seed salesman that Lizzie would never work here. Really? Yeah, he said, don't. What are you messing with that for? It won't grow here. And was it based on your zone or your soil? Or? I think it was the zone because okay. he was from California. And when it worked, he said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did this. And then eucalyptus, you can't grow it here. Well, let's try. Well, you tell me your eucalyptus is wintering over. Yeah, it's five years old. And you do cover it. Right. What is your zone? 7B? 7A. Oh, 7A. Okay, wow. That's impressive. That right. is really impressive. So your first harvest, what, do you grow, what are you harvesting very first in the year? Ranunculus, ranunculus, tulips. Oh, the bulb crops. And are you planting all of those in the fall? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they're field grown. There's no high tunnel. No. No. 
Wow. We do do some low tunnels. Okay. A little, yeah. Over some the ranunculus right. and anemones. But you're getting those in what, like April or May? Um, probably sometimes even it, March. Yeah. Wow. Um, that is huge. It depends on the spring that yes. we're having. Right. This year's been very odd. But if you have an early wedding, then you want right. you need something. Right. However, it's hard to plan because I feel like you also have to order some things in if we're not going to have it. But then yeah. we might have it. So and Katie, it's hard yeah. to figure that whole puzzle out. Well, sometimes. as a designer, you have to be thinking about what can I grow for my designs and then what I have to, what to, what do I have Supplement, to order in? Yeah. And what, how does that shake out in, in your, with your design aesthetic? Do you only use a small percentage of things that you order in? I try to, I mean, if, if there is a bride that wants something that we can't grow, I will, Protea. <laughs> yeah, I will order that in. Mm-hmm. Um, but for but, the most part, I try to, and I, and I always tell brides, don't, if you don't limit your florist to say, I want this specific variety, just give me a color palette mm-hmm. and let me just walk out in the fields and you'll get something so much more beautiful than, you know, you ever could have imagined. There's so many varieties, like mom was saying, that people don't even know about, right. you know, that exist. Right. So just let people. Well, I watched you when we were walking thing. out there and, and, and Teresa was saying, oh, Katie, can you use this? You do. By the way, you have three weddings this weekend. Yes. Thank you for stopping <laughs> yeah. to talk to me. Yeah. Um, but you already have your palettes in the back of your mind. Right. And you've probably even done a sample for some of these, right? Yes. Or do you do samples? I mean, I try not to. It's all just, and that's what I tell my mom, it's all in my head, like, I'm very visual. Once so, the bridal bouquet is done, she's yes, a and normal I, person. I relax, yeah. but I always do the bridal bouquet first. I don't know why. I just feel like then I get the best of the best, and then from yeah. there, it kind of sets the bar for everything else. So, well, being the person who only does one wedding a year, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm afraid to do it, oh, but I okay. put it off to last. Oh. But I can see you're thinking. like I'm always afraid I'm going to use up right the things that I want. The choice morsels. Like, uh, wow, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, I did notice you had some, maybe were they Sahara roses or something out there? Oh, the quicksand? The quicksand, yeah. Yes. Did you have to order those in? Yes. Okay, so that's a, a client who, who really wanted that particular rose. Yes. And it's not, you could never grow that, right? No. Yeah. Are you okay with that sort of occasional yes. mix? I mean, and we do have garden roses, mm-hmm. but I can never guarantee, you know, when they're going to flush. Or so, the quantities, right? Right. So, I mean, the first flush is huge, and then the second one, you know, we haven't had the heat units that we normally do this, you know, early summer. Mm-hmm. So it's just so hard to, and to get people to understand, I can't guarantee you anything, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so I asked you about the roses that obviously you didn't grow, and um, what's your philosophy on, like, how, how do you handle that when people, you're obviously promoting your own flowers first, right? Correct. Okay. And I always like to support, you know, in any business, I like to support, you know, local as much as possible. But there are times that, you know, I want to make my client happy. And if that's what she really wants, I will do that. So we do bend the rules Mm -hmm. um, and we're not super strict with that. So, yeah, but you're known for your flowers. So that's sort of an exception to the rule. probably. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, wedding flowers is just a whole nother game that is hard to yeah, it's be a, steadfast to <laughs> one thing when you have someone who is set in, you know, Fixated. I have to have this. Yeah. What is your aesthetic? What is the My, my Garden Overflow aesthetic for bride? Is it different for what you'd sell at grocery and, and farmer's markets versus weddings? Or 
Um, I feel like when we do bouquets, it's still a very flowy, organic look. But I now, now that we've kind of established our style, I've, I've found a lot of, and I get a ton of inquiries from Instagram and um, Facebook and now through our website, but they know, like, oh, I'm a boho, like, I want that, mm-hmm. you know, free-flowing style. Mm-hmm. So and they kind of self-select yes. out to choose you. Yes. Yeah. And then I do have, you know, there we can do traditional, you know, round bouquets, and people ask, like, can you do that? It's like, yes, we can do anything, but my passion, like, mm-hmm. my love is that mm-hmm. free-flowy design. And those are the photos you're going to put on Instagram. Yes. Probably. Yes. But yes. for the 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 bride who's more traditional or who's got, you know, re- replicating her mom's bouquet or whatever from the fifties right. that you can, you yep. can offer that too. We can do, we can do anything, but yeah, what you put on your social media is what, you know, that's who you're going to attract. So yeah. <clears throat> Teresa, I've been meaning to ask you about the business name, my garden overfloweth. Oh. Tell me about how that came to be. Well, we're Catholic. <laughs> and so it when this started formulating in my mind, um, we have priests that are from South America, and they couldn't afford to go home. So we would have the flyer points from doing mm. the credit card and paying. Mm-hmm. So we would send them, we'd buy their tickets to go home. Sure. And uh, they would say, how can we repay you? And I would say, well, you're on that plane for 14 hours, so you can get a lot of prayers in. And we were transitioning, and I said, I'm not sure what I want to do with my life. Mm. And so this is a result of them, mm. and I give them all it's all of them. The prayer warriors yeah, in your the life. the prayer warriors, yeah. And so my garden overfloweth. It's just like my cup overfloweth. Mm-hmm. So um, it just stuck. It's something that I think is is so universal to to talk about that, I don't know, what kind of gifts your garden gives you and the, those, mm-hmm. that abundance. And so you're just celebrating that right. with the business name. You know, and it's, it is so true. You can be in a crappy mood, and the second you get out there, it's all gone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's all gone. Yeah. It's you get nothing. your hands on the flowers. Right. Uh, your, your hub of flowers that you've created here at My Garden Overflow it, is growing and growing and growing. You have, we're in a building that is, was designed just to your specifications mm-hmm. for having, well, describe what you do here. You have obviously your production area, but you have a retail store and then you do events. Like, how do you use this space? We try to use it as much as we can. You want it to pay for itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want it to start paying for itself. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we do have a commercial kitchen, so we will. Uh, somebody wants to come out. We've done lunches for ladies. Um, the preschool teachers came out and just had their end of the year get together, mm-hmm. and we cooked a lunch for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring brides out here to do. Um, centerpiece classes. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that at lunch. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a very customized off- offering, right? Right. So I would des- I usually um, design all of their bridal party florals, and then I figure, I help them estimate how many stems they would need in a bucket. So we do the bucket sales for the centerpieces, and then I sit down and I make one with them. And they provide all the vases. We do, you know, provide the clippers and the tape and the mm-hmm. whatever supplies they would need. Um, they would do this on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then... Um, they create everything, and usually I'm making the bouquet while the bride is there. Oh, so that can be good or, or bad. But, yeah, but um, what a good experience. And then, yeah. and then Teresa said that you often feed them. Yes. Right. So it becomes this whole experiential. Yeah. yeah, a memorable experience, hopefully. And then we hold everything in our coolers until, 
you know, their wedding date, usually mm-hmm. on Saturday or Friday. Um, they come grab them, and they're on their way. They're probably spending as much money with you as if they had just had you Maybe a little everything. bit less, because... I mean, my labor's not included yeah. in the centerpiece but part of it, you're but they're still purchasing, meal. yeah, and they're purchasing the flowers. Um, so yeah, it's just something fun mm-hmm. and a great experience with family and friends for them. Well, last year when I, um, oh, let me just ask you this, how big is this building? Because it's a wonderful, sh- it's it's very airy um, and light and the garage doors. It's over 5,000 square feet. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you, you, you said that your husband, or somebody said... You can't build it, buy it, you can't make it big enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we had three years to really figure out what, we what exactly we wanted. Okay. We had a long time to like make the process work and become what, what we had truly envisioned. Well, and, and just, just to footnote that, before this you were designing in Teresa's garage, so this is like a real yes. step up, right? Yes, yeah. huge step, and it, and it's really hard. We were talking about this the other day. Well, I was. You look at this big building, and we don't have a lot of walkthroughs, so we're yeah. thirty miles from the closest town. So we're still building walkthrough, and having events, trying to bring people in, and you get discouraged after a while because it's like, what are what are we doing wrong here? But then you have to go back and say, we built it to process the flowers and get out of my garage. And so it's serving its purpose. Yes, yes. And you don't really want to be chained to retail hours probably no. anyway. No, it, it is hard. It really well, is Well, that's hard. when people kind of started coming and were like, what do we do if really, I mean, a lot of people continue to come. Some days you may not be do here. flowers yeah. and, it, and then you have to stop. And so then it's just like, oh man, what do we but do? Well, see, that's an element. We hire somebody to be here when right. we're not here. Okay. Because we can't afford... To have somebody come and nobody be here because we're so far away. Yeah. 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 So it's an added expense, and some days you're thinking, oh my gosh, we just spent all that money. Nobody showed up. Hopefully you have some. But when we get a customer, let me tell you, if they spend five bucks, we're happy. (laughs) Well, while we were having lunch, somebody came in and ordered a a A bridal, just a small little bridal bouquet. And she's just a local gal from down the road. Um, That's so sweet that you were able to help her. Yeah. Um, When When does she need that? Next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least it's not this week. Right, I know. In an hour. <laughs> so, in because of this, being 30 miles away from the largest sort of residential area of, would that be Hermiston, Oregon? Both Hermiston and Tri-Cities. Okay. You've started creating events, and you've had this these wonderful festivals and flings, you call them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was 2018 the first year you did that? No. No, so it was like one of the first years. 2013. 2013. Oh, my we gosh. We did our first fall fling. Wow, we got all those pumpkins you grew, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think we did, what did we have? Like, we had some produce. 25 we, people came. Yeah, we had we a had couple a, other vendors that came, some friends, you know, jewelry, art. There was a cotton candy lady. Makers. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, um, and then each year it just kind of doubled. Doubled. Every year it doubled. Wow. So what is, it, you have one in the spring and one in fall? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so what's the snapshot of it now? It, it's It's one day or two days? It's just a one day. Okay. You just want to keep it simple. You know, keep it simple. Um, so we bring in about 20 vendors, 20 other local um, makers. Mm-hmm. Um, anything from food to we do live music. Um, you know, there's Art, the artists. Crafts. Yep, yeah. All, all the things. So we have indoor vendors. We have outdoor vendors. We're here doing our flowers, our bouquets, um, selling all the pumpkin, sorry, pumpkins, gourds, um, pumpkin on a stick. Anything you can think of. In the fall. Uh Yep. And so that's coming. It's always the first Sunday of October. Um, 
And it's just four hours. I think, what do we do? 11 to three. three. Um, so yeah, it's just How people neat. come from all over and wow. they look we forward to it. We were over 1,500 people last year. In yeah. four hours? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, well, actually they come an hour before. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> earlier and earlier. So you have to keep your husband at the gate. You know, <laughs> um, you're not charging admission for that, no. are you? Okay. No. So sort of giving back to the community right. as well. Yes. Right, well... Because we're so far away, if we charge, we we're afraid nobody would come. Yeah. So, um, but it's marketing, Teresa. Right. I'm sure you have had clients who maybe said, "Oh, I came to your festival last year, or your fl- spring right. fling or right. fall fling." Right. Or they want to come out. They want to see the farm. You know, and that, and that's something that you know we'd like to visit with you about, or whoever. You know, letting people into your fields. Mm-hmm. I have a real hard time doing that. You know, mm-hmm. liability reasons probably more than anything sure they really want to see the field so there's a part of me that thinks well we should just have one section sure and go look at they can look at from the lawn part of it but we're our society is so far removed from ag yes and they want they want to see it yeah and that's why the markets and doing these events and i'm passionate about i want people to see what we do and why we do it and agritourism and making that connection with you know, when you go to a farmer's market, these people, they want to talk to you. They want to know what, you know, they want to know your personal, you know. Yeah, get what's to your know family you like? Why do you do this? Get to know your farm. And so they love it. And building those relationships are so important. Um, so, yeah, that's just, this is another avenue for us to reach out and get the Right. And um, just to follow up on that qu- that comment, Teresa, I'm always shocked when I run into a, a, a visit a farm that's part of Slow Flowers and, you know, have a tour and, um find out, oh, they have a you-pick field or a you-cut field. I'm thinking, how do you control that? And I think you're you're onto something if you have a dedicated area right. because I know flower farmers who won't even let their floral design customers come out and cut because... Mm-hmm. They don't know what no, they're doing. Yeah, yet. you're afraid that everything's going to be six inches right. long stems. And, <laughs> right, right. But there's something there about you teach, you're teaching workshops like the flower crown workshops and the you know succulent pump, mm-hmm. pumpkin workshops, you're giving people opportunities to get their hands on your flowers. Right. It's just in a workshop setting, right? Right. The other way we've started um, letting them get their hands on that they don't even have to pay for, and we need to maybe shoot that out there in a different way. Um, after our markets, if someone is here, we let them help us make bouquets for hospice. Oh yeah. So they can put them together, and they can use whatever flowers we have available. And just do their own thing. Here at the shop yes. or at the farmer's at the, market? At the, shop. at the shop. So after the farmer's market, and you just do two Saturday markets? We do a Thursday night and a Friday okay. morning. Oh. So we're back here That's by nice. 3 or 4 in the afternoon. But usually it would be Saturday. And then if word of mouth, people know yeah. that they, you want volunteers to come help. Because right. you donate... Your unsold flowers to uh, Oregon Hospice. Right. Wow, that's cool. Right. That's really a good point because uh, maybe that's a chance for people to learn a little bit about working with flowers. Right. Mm-hmm. But doing, uh, you know, and doing, doing a, it their own a way. Good co- and, but for a good cause. Right. And, and we really don't have a lot of structure to it. You know, X number of stems and they put them together how they want to. And From what you said earlier, the clients and the caregivers it. are so appreciative. Love it. They're not thinking that there were orange and pink together in a bouquet. No, no, they, it's okay. No, she said it's, it's a bouquet and that's all they cared about. That's it's wonderful. Cared enough. Yeah. Uh, so Katie, what, what other causes or nonprofit projects do you get involved in? So we just did one recently. It was for Restoration Convoy and they help out um, kids that 
maybe don't have such a great family life. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, a local clothing shop in Tri-Cities helped and uh, Porter's Barbecue put on the dinner. And they just decorated a really nice table. And the head lady uh, is one of our customers. So she approached us and said, hey, do you guys ever have leftover flowers? After market, I would love to add that to the tables. Um, the girls get their makeup done and their hair done. Oh, dress so up nice. Yeah, so just had a nice dinner. So we we like to help, you know. Flowers are a small thing, but they can mean a lot. Yeah, so. and touch so many people. Yeah. And now your um, little one's here with us, so we might hear him. Yes, that's okay. a very deep voice. This is Nate. <laughs> that's okay if Nate's with me. <laughs> He's joined us. Yes. Um, I want to just, before we wrap up, I, 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 I'm on your mailing list, so I just got your announcement about your next farm-to-table dinner. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. So this is, we would like to expand and do more this year. Um, we did one last year, and we like to team with a local winery, and then we're having a chef come in this time. And help versus us. you cooking. Yeah, yeah, that was. I don't know how they. <laughs> Teresa's nodding. Yeah, it was a long twelve hours. It was day. fun, but it, it was... was fun. Um, so we try to do one once a month. Um, but yeah, it'll be a five course meal, and it's July twenty seventh. Um, just another way to bring people out to the to the farm and eat with friends and enjoy good food and wine. And I bet the tables are beautiful. Yes, they are. Yes, you just cut whatever's. At peak mm-hmm. at that point. Yes. That's wonderful. And do people want to take home bouquets? Do they want to shop while they're out here? Or is that just another facet that you haven't figured <laughs> out yet? they did shop. They there did was, shop a lot before funny. we got going. And then at the end, we were having such a good time. We started giving stuff away. We had <laughs> drawings. and <laughs> Here's a dozen fresh eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick a number. <laughs> oh, there's a leftover blueberry pie. Okay, so yeah. it's maybe not a great revenue yeah. source. Yeah, right. <laughs> But you, again, back to what you said about where your location is, you have to create your market, right? Right, right. right. And give, give them people a reason ex- to come and enjoy themselves and want to come back. That's wonderful. And then it's also partnering with the other locals. So we're a town of 50 people. So that it's... Wow. So if somebody's coming out, they're coming out for a reason. So mm-hmm. there's quite a few wineries in the area, but they just opened a coffee shop down in the little town. So if somebody knows they can... Come get the coffee, they can come see us, they can go to a winery. Well, now that's made it a day, and it's, it's a, worth coming out. And It's a loop. It's a loop. And when you're teaching workshops, you probably have people who um, ask you, where should I go for right. yes. a tasting or whatever. Right. right. That's right. wonderful. Well, I, I really love what you're doing. Thank I'm you. so glad I finally got to see your shop. I, I don't know if I'll get to your next fling, but um, <laughs> uh, the one thing that you're doing is, uh, as you were saying uh, earlier, Katie, um, creating an opportunity for other fellow small businesses and and I hats off to you for doing that because it's sort of the backbone of our communities and Mm -hmm. definitely creating opportunities for you know I'm sure that those are businesses that also want flowers and so you do business together right Right. yes a lot of them are actually you know people that we started doing market with Mm. and we've all become you know I told my mom if we had never done this look how many people we you know never would have met or we made friendships or, well, yeah. like the flower mate or the food especially food vendors and that sort right. of thing right that's wonderful um but this was wonderful and will you share some photos of some some of your fun events that you've done here okay. so people can meet you and Definitely. see what you're doing yes great thank Love you too. so much you're welcome thank you
Thank you for joining today's lovely conversation. It's one thing to visit a floral enterprise virtually and another thing altogether to visit it in person. I'm so glad I made the side trip to tour My Garden Overfloweth and I can't wait to return during one of the upcoming flings. I hope you can do the same or do the next best thing and borrow inspiration from Teresa and Katie to nurture community and connections through flowers in your own marketplace. Our next sponsor thanks this week goes to Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses, offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made, using twin-wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panels a great value for your backyard. The 8 by 8 foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit nwgreenpanels.com to see more. Now, let's visit Nebraska as the next stop in our 50 States of Slow Flowers series. I'm so delighted to introduce you to Sheila Fitzgerald, the founder of A New Leaf based in Omaha. A New Leaf focuses on capturing the organic beauty of florals and nature through floral design and workshop offerings. Sheila has 15 years of experience in floristry. From previously owning Bloom's Flower Shop, she has turned her focus to workshops, events, and private orders under the brand A New Leaf. Sheila can often be found in the shade of Rainwood Vineyard with her trusty sidekick, Clover the Dog, planning her next big design. Check out photos, links, and details about Sheila and A New Leaf in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. Hey, I'm so excited today to be visiting virtually Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, continuing our series of uh, which we're calling 50 States of Slow Flowers. And I'd like to welcome Sheila Fitzgerald of A New Leaf. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Deborah. So happy to be talking with you. Yeah, mutual. Um, we, we, <laughs> we got off on a really fascinating <laughs> tangent about your business name, so I'm going to share that with people. But uh, give us a snapshot of A New Leaf. Um, like, are, you're a re- You have a retail shop, right? Well, I had a retail shop um, from 2003 to 2017, ah. which I had sold the retail part of it, and I do um, I do private um, workshops, and I do workshops, you know, for the general public. Um, I also do some, you know, retail, but it's really by appointment only. Got it. Got it. So the grind of like full service retail, six or seven days a week. You've ha- you've done that uh, <laughs> done that duty already, right? Been there, done it. 14 years. (laughs) I worked for other people before. What really, um, why I did make, you know, that decision to change, you know, my lifestyle is, you know, I'm in the generation where my mother was in the hospital for three weeks and I know that everybody has a story like this. And I just decided, you know, there are parts of this that, um, you know, I love, but as far as like life choices go and being mm-hmm. able to be there to, you know, assist my parents at this point in life. The things that are truly, you know, I just looked at things, the things that are really passionate about, um, you know, this business is I really wanted to be able to bring that to Omaha, that feeling of, you know, nature and local flowers being so important and, and, you know, being able to kind of break through that, um, 
you know, a, like there's no walls between, right. you know, the outdoors and what we mm. can enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, indoors mm-hmm. and different, you know, different people along the way who have kind of also been inspirational, you know, along the way have, um, have really shown. And I hope to be, you know, I was really a part of that awesome, you know, movement of bringing that forward. And I just feel like at this point, um, it's great to continue on the education, you know, more so than the heavy retail. Right, right. So your uh, philosophy being um, local and seasonal, is that, you know, when you had your retail store, and even now when you're teaching and doing like um, commissions and private work, what is it like for you to um, source locally? Like, how do you define that? I, I'm just so curious about what zone you're in and the seasonality and all those challenges of being in the plain states. I'm so glad you asked that question because it is a challenge. Mm. Um, and that was one of the challenges, you know, when, when I was looking at, you know, here I am looking to open a shop and do as local as I possibly can. So being in like the Midwest, you know, we have half of our year where we're covered with snow or it's too cold and we don't have things blooming, you know, and that's something that I know everybody has that challenge. But the thing is, I think my philosophy on that is um, similar to other, you know, local and seasonal designers is that you really try to go as local as you possibly can first and use as seasonal as you possibly can and then moving outward from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, you know, supporting uh, California flowers, for example, right. Um, right. you know, being able to reach out, you know, to there and having your suppliers there and really doing that research on knowing, you know, who are the ones who are truly local or more U S grown has always been a very important thing to me. And I became known as, you know, that florist that, you know, um, carried more local and, or as local as you can, or U.S. grown flowers. Well, you mentioned that you had a aunt and uncle who had a greenhouse business. Did, did you turn to the nursery greenhouse industry for sourcing that maybe other florists wouldn't have thought about getting, say, plants or, pot, you know, potted plants that they can cut up or, you know, whatever? Um, was that part of the, <laughs> your definition of, of local? <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, that's, it's, yeah, I would say uh, in a short answer, yes. And that's a part of, um, you know, growing something with the intent of like cutting from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was having this discussion just the other day um, with one of my friends who's a local um, flower farmer. And, you know, she had made the comment that either you're growing it or you're buying it for, you know, already grown. Right. Right. Even though you may have it growing in your yard, well, I don't want to cut that because it's growing. <laughs> and it's like, well, I know that feeling. So, <laughs> exactly. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, you've heard, oh, well, you know, I've got those growing in my yard too, and it's like, that's great. You know, it's nice to enjoy those. But everything does have a value, you know, to it. Whether it's there used to be, and and I'm sure you've heard this many times before, that thing of, well, if it's just right there you know, right here in Nebraska, it may not have that same value because it's right there. Mm -hmm. And it's readily available or whatever. 
Yeah, and I know that when I was younger, there was always that, oh, if it's coming from far away, mm-hmm. it has this value to it. Mm-hmm. And it is more interesting because it is exotic. Mm-hmm. And I totally appreciate that. I can really see both sides you know, of that because it's like so interesting. I have traveled um, around the world many places. I've been so inspired by you know, I've had a lot of influence with Asian influence, Ikebana design, a lot of training in that. Um, everywhere I've been, I've been inspired by what's grown, you know, locally there. Sure. And, you know, like I was in New Zealand years ago and I found the agapanthus was in bloom and the flax and it's so beautiful. And then, of course, like with what any, you know, flower designer does is you go into as many flower shops as you possibly can. You walk in there and you see like creations, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like, wow, that's it's so, so beautiful yeah, here. That's so neat. But as far, yeah, but as far as like cutting from like, you know, plants and greenhouse things, absolutely. Yeah. You know, whatever, and kind of understanding how the plant grows. Um, you know, it, it, I think without really understanding how plants grow and how, flowers bloom and their cycles and their seasonal um, times, you know, that they're at their best. It's really difficult to make truly like a really beautiful flower arrangement for right. one, because it, you're making an arrangement that's going to change every day and things will kind of open and close or last only so long and, and kind of knowing how they, they interplay with outdoor and nature, you know, helps to know how, you're going to be making that design because you're just bringing in parts of nature. I totally agree. Um, you you mentioned chatting with a local flower farmer and knowing that you started your business, um, you know, you said, what, 2003? Is that correct? Yes. Um, I feel like you must have been way ahead of the the <laughs> surge in flower farming. And, and are, are you have you witnessed... Um, new, you know, new sources coming online that you, you're like, where were you in 2003? I could have used you. I'm like, what is, what is oh, going on there? <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. It was, I felt like I was, um, you know, standing alone like some days. <laughs> with, I feel you. You know, hey, anybody else feel this way? You know, and so it's like, I found that I saw the progression like kind of happen, but at that time, um, there was a company that had started, you know, just a month after actually, uh, that was supplying some local flowers and, you know, they were also trying to make that headway, you know, like into the market at the same time. So I found that we were very good at helping each other, mm. you know, yeah. because other people would see, oh, well, you know, she's getting success, you know, at using mm-hmm. their flowers, even mm-hmm. though you know, some of the things could even be more costly. Right. You know, interesting. But there, there's the rub there, but, but at the same time, there was a need, there was a need for it in the market, you know, because people were starting to kind of catch on to that. But part of it is the education of, you know, your client and your customers. And a lot of people don't really know what went on like behind the scenes. Like for example, um, you know, Amy Stewart with her book, Flower Confidential was right. really great, you know, to come in at the scenes and, and like, for example, you know, there's different ways that it's great to introduce that to other, you know, I gave that book to some of my employees. Um, we sure. had, Amy was on our, 
uh, conference call, like with my book club. And there's different ways of kind of slowing, you know, slowly getting that kind of education out to people by word of mouth. Yeah, and people, know, people really need to, yeah, and people need to hear that. And I feel like multiple times. So you're kind of infiltrating their thinking by showing them beautiful local flowers and then talking about a book or an author or um, connecting what's happening in Omaha to some kind of larger movement. Uh, I, and I find that with slow flowers that I, I have to constantly tell people um, what this is, even means. And we are so close to it. We kind of, I don't know, I, my family thinks I live in a real bubble. <laughs> like, why doesn't everybody know about this? So I admire you for just you know, be for years being one of the only, you know, practitioners of, uh, uh, you know, just socially conscious flowers in a way. Um, maybe it's a little less lonely now. Oh, very much. Things have changed so much over the years. It's just been like the floodgates felt like they opened and it's just been such a wonderful thing. Um, you know, to back up a little bit, you asked me about like, who were my sources? Mm -hmm. Well, there weren't really many flower farmers. I did go to farmers markets mm. and make connections, mm -hmm. you know, with some of the local growers that way. That's smart. So that part was really nice. Um, I had been doing that for years. I was one of those, you know, weirdos who would do like a co-op, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, go down to farmers markets when like nobody was going down there. It wasn't a cool thing. Right. You know, years ago, I just take my bags and go down and do my you know, local produce shopping for the week. And it was like, oh, that's that weird thing that, you know, Sheila's doing. And it's like, well, you know, I'm used to that. And yeah. I'm, I'm cool with, you know, being in that category and everything. So it's really kind of nice now because now it's so in, you know. Um, and so in a way it's like, wow, I mean, this is like heaven on earth, right. you know, that this is so accepted and like recycling and things are really coming in, um, you know, more than ever. Well, you so, mentioned, so, yeah. And, yeah. And you mentioned that, um, you know, obviously the growing up or whatever, the desire for something that's not local, that's exotic. I sort of see that. I, I totally get what you're talking about. And I do see that the flip side of that is valuing local, valuing the farmer down the road, valuing something that's, you know, Nebraska grown or whatever it, it I feel with in the food the food world and the culinary world has sort of set things up to have more value for locally grown food and maybe that spills over into the you know the flowers that you're able to buy from local flower farmers and and incorporate into your designs oh absolutely because I'm just as passionate about you know slow food and buying local as far as pretty much anything else goes too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, back to not having a lot of people to be, you know, tap into, I found that a good business model became, you know, when we would have like some hypothetically slower times, like in the business, you know, I would give the opportunity to some of my employees to be working on a flower farm that we were farming a lot of our flowers for the store. Oh, wow. You know, in the summertime. Mm -hmm. So it really was, in not the traditional flower shop that somebody would just come in and, you know, just be doing their one little job, you know, and, and kind of leaving and not really seeing the outdoors. It was, Hey, here's an opportunity to work outside. And, you know, people who are really passionate about learning and passionate about, you know, getting into flowers, I found my employees just 
loved that opportunity. Wow. That's... And it was a great way to kind of teach some of the, you know, younger people coming in that this is where that flower is coming from. It's not coming from a box. Wow. Like it wasn't grown in a box. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you just get them out there and get their hands in the dirt and their, their whole product knowledge, uh, capacity changes and then they become more effective in your shop, I would imagine. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. The knowledge from beginning to end. <laughs> I, I found it really brought a lot more joy and a lot more um, appreciation of where things come from. I love that. So Sheila, you're, um, you're now uh, basically uh, having, you've sort of transitioned with a new leaf to a, a studio where mostly you're teaching. Is that correct? I'm, I'm, I would say it's about a half and half. I teach workshops or I'm doing events. Okay. And I do the events that are offsite, like other places. So mm -hmm. I get requests, you know, to do um, a certain event. And, you know, the nice thing is, is I do have that reputation for using local and seasonal so that people do understand, you know, that's where I'm coming from. And I think that's why I get requested because they do appreciate, you know, having flowers that aren't you know, dipped in pesticides. Right. And, are they most, whatnot. are the, the events uh, that you're booking, uh, are they primarily uh, commercial or business related and rather than weddings, or is it a balance between, um, you know, business and sort of ceremony? I would say that most of my business is like 60, 70% is more business mm -hmm. and the other part are weddings. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a good balance because the business is mm -hmm. not the businesses are less seasonal. They're probably all steady all year long, depending on whether it's a a dinner or a fundraiser or some kind of opening. I mean that 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 just happens consistently, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the workshops, uh, ha as we, as we were chatting before we turned on the recorder, the workshops are almost uh, all kind of word of mouth and. Uh, have you been surprised by that? I mean, how did, how did that evolve? Well, actually I have been surprised by that because here I am and I was working on some marketing and, you know, where we're going with, you know, all of the social media and marketing. And then people have contacted me directly, like DM'd me mm -hmm. and they've contacted me different ways. They've gotten my phone number for somebody else and, um, so, you know, people have a way of finding people mm -hmm. and that's basically the way, you know, it has been. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's been really lovely to have worked out that way. So your studio is set up to have like one-on-one, -on -one, uh, sessions or maybe small group sessions for design. How, what, are, what does the typical, um, workshop look like or training look like? We are, well, we are set up, um, Typically, the training is from like six to eight people. Okay. And I have done one-on-one -on -one and I've done like, you know, two people. Mm -hmm. And that depends on the kind of training that somebody's looking for. So if it's going for like a corporate event or they're going for more of a wedding, you mm -hmm. know, kind of training, mm -hmm. um, you know, depending on what I really tailor it to the individual's needs or if it's like a basic, you know, floral design class, sometimes, you know, somebody just wants to be able to feel more comfortable about gathering flowers at home and knowing that it's just going to look right for a dinner party, you know, just feeling comfortable doing that. Or we've done some pretty high end, you know, work on planning and, you know, how to grow things and how to build onto that. So, so you've kind worked of, with a few, 
Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just going to say, like, I've worked with um, some small groups of people, like, continuously. And we're mm. kind of building on that throughout, you know, the next, over the next few months. So, so that's been kind of a nice education that way. So it sounds like because it's so customized, it's a, a mix of um, floral enthusiasts and then maybe aspiring florists, people who uh, really want to be trained versus play with flowers. Yes. I would say that it's really 50-50 hmm. on, you know, people who are wanting to increase their skills and learn more. Um, and, you know, on a higher level, and then there's people who want to, you know, just get their hands on flowers. Mm, and right. Learn right. a few skills, learn a few tricks. Wow. Well, I, I hope I get have find my way through Omaha sometime in the near future. I'd love to visit you and see what you're doing. Will you share some photos of your your studio and your design work so we can, and you, and so we can introduce you to our listeners this week? <laughs> I would love to, Deborah. Yeah, oh. and anytime you're coming through Omaha, we'd love to host you, and I'd love to show you around the studio. And um, we've got, you know, a lot of space here too that we grow on. And one of my, maybe this might not be necessarily in the interview, but one of my uh, side passions also is in conservation for prairies. So oh, wow. we put in a prairie a year ago that I'm pretty excited about, and that's. That's kind of part of it, one of my passions too. It, so it's great to be inspired by that. Wow! Is it right at where the f- facility and the property where the studio is? Yes. Oh my it's gosh! Like right outside. So <gasps> I really get to be inspired by that, and um, I mean, I just I'm so grateful for that every day, and and being in communication with the other conservationists, and I've gotten involved with um, you know many organizations too on that level. Well, thank you so much for chatting. It's really great to visit you virtually and share your story with our listeners. And uh, I know we'll meet in the future very soon. So thanks a lot for your time. Looking forward to that, Deborah. Thank you very much. for taking the time to join the Slow Flowers podcast today. And thank you to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them today at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 495,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. 
I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.